So again, brothers and sisters, happy Easter to you all. Back uh, years ago, uh, before I entered seminary, I went to college in UCC, and uh, University College Cork, for those who aren't Irish. And uh, while I was there, I was living in a house near enough to the university, and there were 10 of us in the house, uh, two guys and eight girls. Uh, that was great crack. Um, it was absolutely it was great fun. Uh, we had Manny's a house party and um, all sorts of shenanigans. But there was one girl there in the house and we used to have very, very interesting conversations because uh, there was a real desire in her to do good. Right? There was a real desire in her to do good. So she loved animal rights and animal welfare and protecting animals. And uh, she was vegetarian, probably half vegan, maybe fully vegan at times, I don't know. Uh, so just really wanted animals to be safe and animals to be protected. And, um, and but then as the conversation like would go on, I, I discovered like kind of problems or limitations or kind of holes in her position. Because while she'd absolutely be, be livid at the scale, I'm a farmer, you see, so we, we'll, we were, I'm from farming stock. Uh, so like when we talked about how, how farming works, sometimes farming is a bit it's a bit rough at times, you know, when it comes to animals, like when it comes to dehorning calves or things like that, things that you just have to do. You know, townies don't get it, uh, but, but things that just have to be done. Um, and she'd be livid, absolutely livid, absolutely disgraced and disgusted and horrified that we would take, that we would dehorn calves. So, well, if you don't take the horns off them, they'll end up sticking them into you or someone else or, or other cows or calves. So, I mean, it's for their own protection, it's for their own good. Uh, anyway. But then, as I say, the conversation would go on. And after all of this, this kind of discussion about how we should love creation and we should love life and we should protect life, uh, she was avidly pro-abortion. Avidly pro-abortion. So there's this massive gap, this massive problem here now. Because like, either, either life is a good thing or, or, or it isn't. But if... If, if animal welfare takes precedence over human welfare, there's something wrong. There's something gone askew. There's something, there's something missing. So there's, there's a desire in us, and there's a desire in thing, in, especially in young people up to the age of, I don't know, 25, 30. There's a desire in us to fight for something good. You often notice it like in, in universities, like they want to fight for something. They want to, you know, back in the days like of um, the Vietnam War, all the students in the States protesting for peace and peace and peace. Um, this 1968 kind of rebellions across, uh, across the world, really, or across Europe anyway, uh, led by university students. This desire, right, to do something good and make a difference, okay? That gets focused on, on, on certain issues, but it can really dodge maybe the more important ones. Today, you know, on Easter Sunday, we're, t we're celebrating life. We're celebrating life in, in a very particular way. Because without what happened last night, without, without the Lord's passion, death and resurrection, bottom line, we couldn't get to heaven. Without the Lord's passion, death and resurrection, without his sacrifice, we can't get to heaven. Okay, so and that, that, that's life and life to the full. Everything down here, this is all, whatever we build up and whatever we create and whatever we achieve, and whatever books we write, whatever accolades we, we, we receive, all of that passes. Heaven is what lasts forever. So that's, that's, that's the goal, that's the focus, that's the most important thing. We can call it heaven, we can call it being with God, we can call it entering into blessed life with the Trinity, whatever our terminology for it, ultimately, eternal life is what matters. Everything else passes. 
So that's what this, this is, this, that's what this whole thing is, what the church, what the sacraments, what everything is about. To get us to heaven, to get us into unity again with the Father. That's what it's all about. Everything else is, is, is passing. So whatever motivates us, whatever drives us in this life, good though it may be, if it's not leading us to heaven, we've missed the point. So as I say, fighting for animal welfare, great. I mean, animals shouldn't be mistreated or treated cruelly. Of course not. Uh, but I also, along with that, should recognize the sacredness of human life and recognize the, the dignity of the human person and recognize the value of each individual from conception to natural death. Why? Because that also now affects how I see other people. That also now affects my soul, which then affects my entrance into heaven. So, so this, is, this, this, all, this is all, it's all bound together. Life and heaven and grace and Christ's sacrifice and my soul and life to the full. It's all bound together. It all comes together on Easter. It's such a, such a beautiful celebration last night. When, as I say, in wherever, wherever you celebrated this, uh, the churches of the cathedrals are in darkness, absolute darkness. And we do our best then to cover every light and quench every light bulb. And then just this one single Paschal candle comes into an otherwise bleak and dark church. And from that then the life spreads. And I remember in, in the cathedral in Thurles, uh, where I grew up, yeah, it's quite a big cathedral, so it would be quite dark when, when the, the, the archbishop would come in, and then little by little you'd see the light, kind of like a, like a slow Mexican wave, right? Just rippling its way through the cathedral until you could eventually see everything, not a single artificial light lit, just candlelight, but all from one source. And it's always that kind of precarious liturgical moment, which maybe you're kind of unaware of, but you have to get the pastel candle from the fire inside the church without it blowing out, because that's deeply, dangerously symbolic, you know, because like Jesus is the light of the world, and if the light goes out, <laughs> so the light of the world has just gone out. So like last night, it was seriously breezy out there, and we were, we were struggling to get the pastel candle. I think we I think for the day of sweat buckets, just getting the pastel candle, those four steps from the fire to, to, to the annex there. But we got it in. We, we got it in, all intact, all alive. Didn't have to re fake relight it at all. Uh, it's all lit from the pastel candle, officially, and all good. And then that light then comes into the church, and then it's spread all around here, and we were able to read all the readings and see everything just with the light of Christ, just with the light of, uh, from the pastel candle. And this is what like, the Lord wants to do with us, with each one of us, to fill us with life and light. A friend of mine from Mitchstown, where I used to work, uh, he used to do Eucharistic adoration. I remember talking to him once. His name was Seamus. And I remember talking to him once uh, after Mass. just asking him how he was getting on. I didn't know him very well. Uh, we spoke kind of superficially on a few occasions, but I wouldn't say I knew him. But I said, Seamus, it's always great to see you doing adoration. Now, he wouldn't have been... He would have been young, about 57-ish, I'd say. Uh, I'm 60, maybe. Um, but, uh, and he said, yeah, I love adoration. He said, I love adoration. It is the high point of my week. Now, he used to do adoration from 3 to 4 in the morning, by the way. So he'd get up from his comfy, warm bed and wander through this, the, the, the dark streets of Mitchellstown to the adoration chapel up on the hill and spend an hour in there with the Lord. And that was the highlight of his week. I just love, I love that. I mean, that was such an inspiration to me, such a, an example of faith to me that he'd be willing to do that once a week and see that not as, oh, sure, I'm doing it in atonement for my sins or I'm doing it because no one else will do it or I'm doing it because I feel guilty if I don't. This is the highlight of my week, an, an extremely positive experience to spend time with God.
And that's like a preparation for heaven, where we get to spend all eternity with him. And all of our lives and all of our choices and all that we do in the meantime should be pointing in that direction. And that which is authentically and truly good leads us to heaven. That which is authentically and truly good will lead us to heaven. So we ask the Lord today to renew our hearts and minds with this Easter joy, with this Easter hope, with true life. Because no matter what our political position is, no matter what good we do, without the Lord we're going to be missing something. Without the Lord we're going to be missing what's essential. We're going to be missing that, that divine hope. We're going to be actually missing that light to illuminate our conscience, to recognize what is truly good, what is truly beautiful, what is truly holy. And we can find ourselves fighting for things of far lesser importance. The Lord has called us to true life and true hope. He has called us to eternal life with him. He has called us back into unity with the Father. So we ask the Lord today to guide us in this Easter joy, to guide us home, to guide us to the Father, to guide us to true peace, true joy, and true happiness. Amen.